cup of blessing. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And the whole church said, you may be seated. What a joy to be gathered together in the name of the Lord. Amen. And what an incredible joy and blessing to be able to sing about there is a God and how big and wonderful and powerful He is. And then to talk about the way He comes into our lives and is present with us in such a powerful, powerful way. We are truly a blessed people. And the church said, I want to welcome those of you who chose to be here in person today. We thank you for taking the time to be here. It is our hope that you've already been welcomed well as you came in today. And if you are a guest with us today, we would ask that you might take just a moment to take one of the blue guest cards that you'll find in the pocket on the back of the chair right there in front of you and fill out as much of both sides of that card as you're comfortable with. We simply want to be able to have the opportunity to expend, extend the blessing of this hour into the days and weeks that are to come. And so again, uh, we would appreciate you taking the time filling that card out for us. If you're joining us online, we're really thankful that you chose to click over and be with us today. I would invite you to be sure that you have your communion elements accessible so that at the end of the service we can all together whether we're in this building or all across the world, we can uh, enjoy uh, that, that fellowship celebration and also that centering of our lives on Jesus together at the same time. Again, I'm thankful that you've come. Hope you'll come back and join us again as soon as possible. On your way in today, I hope that you got a copy of the Caring and Sharing. There should have been hard copies either handed to you or available to you where you could find them number of things in there that we won't be able to mention from the from up here in the front so uh, if you could read through that if you're online you can go to the website and download that in fact any of us can download it anytime we want to uh, the the caring and sharing until Wednesday and then you'll get an update on that on from the Wednesday announcement sheet so please take time to do that again we're in a time of some uh, when we're, we're having to be flexible and we're having to make some decisions based on uh, the, the way that the coronavirus has adapted and is in, uh, affecting us. And so I really do want to remind you that if you are not on our update uh, text distribution list, you need to be there. The instructions for that are on the screen there. Also, you can look at the midweek update and get some very specific things. Everybody say E with me. E. L-J-C-U-P-D-A-T. Very good. All right. If you watch the update, maybe you know what I'm talking about there. So, also, again, the update is just a great source for information and, and a little bit of almost interaction. So, I would appreciate you clicking on that when it comes to your uh, text message and, and availing yourself of that little 20 minutes of catching up on things and praying together. Um, I, I'm blessed with the sense that I'm praying with you as that goes on. Two things that we didn't put in the caring and sharing largely because the decisions hadn't been made on them, but we, we really do feel like we're kind of getting through the surge of this, but want to kind of do some protective things as well. First of all, Cafe Munch, our Wednesday night meal at 5.30. We're not going to have that this week. Um, just kind of, again, trying to be cautious there. And then 
Uh, very disappointed, but I, I think it's the appropriate decision. Monday was supposed to be our prime timers gathering, and we're going to postpone that for this week. I, it'll be rescheduled, I'm sure, so uh, keep your eyes open, uh, if you're, particularly if you're part of the prime timers, for, for when that's going to be rescheduled too. We want to make you aware, and again, most of you are, that we're continuing to have uh, contactless procedures with our Lord's Supper and our giving. If on your way in, on your way in, you didn't get one of the individual uh, sets of communion elements, they are on the table in the center there, and you can go avail yourself of that. Uh, as as I said last week, you are always welcome to bring your own bread and cup and have it there with you and. And uh, you can participate in that way as well. Also, the QR code on the screen would be an opportunity to give should you choose to do so. There are several other ways to do that, including a box that's in the Welcome Center that you can put uh, some physical gifts in, in there if you would choose to. I want to let you know that as Habitat for Humanity is our monthly, is January's mission emphasis, uh, next Sunday on the 23rd, we're going to have a combined adult class that you're going to have the opportunity to hear about the things that are continuing to go on. Uh, it's going to be a neat participation in a bit of a transition they're having with the new director, and we're going to be blessed to have both those folks with us, at, le at least at this point. And so I would really like you to kind of mark on your calendar to be here for Bible class next Sunday. Great things go on at 9.30. Amen, church? And so I want you to participate in those, and this is just one more of those great things. Uh, I did not realize that this was the 49th anniversary. Um, but the decision um, made by the Supreme Court uh, that is called Roe versus Wade was made 49 years ago. Um, not that long, but for many years, uh, there's kind of been a concerted effort among churches to uh, highlight this Sunday, which is connected to that anniversary. It's the closest Sunday to the anniversary of that decision. And to highlight it and call it sanctity of life and to lift up in our hearts and our minds this great value we have for life uh, and choosing life. Um, I have said this a couple of times in the update, uh, but there's a, a, a very good chance that the, the road decision will not live to be 50 years old. And uh, that presents a whole new set of challenges. One of our elders, Craig Nesbitt, has uh, offered to word a prayer for us, and he may have a few comments along this line, so I want to invite him to the front as we uh, think about and pray about what it means to be people who hold up the value of life. Thank you, Alan. So as a congregation, you know, we do, we do have a commitment to the protection of life, uh, life at all stages, but uh, especially this Sunday, we're thinking about the life of the unborn. Uh, in a congregation this size, I don't presume I don't presume that we all walk in lockstep in our beliefs. Uh, if I'd encourage you, if you if if that troubles you, what I just said, then then join in a conversation with the eldership and let's let's have a conversation about that. Uh, my prayer this morning, though, is intended to to. Uh, the words I'm going to say are intended to recognize this commitment to life that we do have. So if you would, join with me. Father, we uh, humble ourselves before you and we lift our praise to you. Father, we praise you in that you are holy, mighty, just, merciful, and loving. You are our God and we are your people. And Father, you have forgiven us 
You've redeemed us through our King, Jesus Christ. And you have taken us as your children. You've given us your kingdom work here on earth to do. Father, we recognize that you created everything that is. Uh, we see it. We see that it's beautiful. It's wondrous. It's perfect. The whole creation proclaims your glory and your name, Father. Father, you have given us life and you sustain it. You have made us in your image. It is beyond our understanding, but we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Father, we don't understand this at all, but in your wisdom, you chose to give us free will. And we know that uh, if we're dead set on doing something, you're not going to interfere in that. Uh, Father, we acknowledge, though, that we haven't often used that right uh, wisely as we should have. As a people, we are proud, we rely on our own understanding, we give ourselves too much credit for knowing things that are beyond our understanding, and we make our actions and our wills based on those assumptions, Father. We have not always followed your will. We know we've relied on our own will and our own understanding, and Father, uh, as a people, as a country, We've tried to exercise too much control over when life begins, when life ends, and whose life is worthy. We have not stood in the gap for each other and helped those who are in need and that we could have helped. Father, we ask that you forgive us in this. We ask that you would humble us, that you would correct us, that you would teach us to trust in you. Help us come to a deeper, stronger faith in you. Show us more of your will. Help us to love you and each other more deeply, Father. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this song. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from every those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be a saint. They'll never be a saint. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me, and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounds his saints. He will deliver he will deliver them. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name forever. We'll taste and see. That the Lord is good, oh blessed is he who hides in him, oh fear the Lord, all of you saints, he'll give you everything, he'll give you everything, magnify the Lord with me, come exalt his name together. Oh, 
At this time, we'll dismiss the stage two, the Limitless Kids and Phrase Kids to their activities. Good morning. Uh, I'm reading two scriptures. The first one is in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The second verse is Mark chapter 13, 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his, yeah, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Let's please stand again as we sing this song. There is an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the music ring, and the lost storms may come, I am holding on, and to the rock I cling, how can I keep from singing your praise, how can I
Well, I know it's, uh, sorry, Mike, you got me? Okay. I know that uh, it's not necessarily on your common route, and to a certain extent, it may not be on the way to anywhere that you're going. Uh, Some of you may have even said, can anything good be found in Abilene? Of course, those of us who are grads would say, of course there's something good that can be found in Abilene. Uh, About a decade ago, um, the, the school and uh, particularly several benefactors, uh, decided that they wanted to put a, a, a symbolic and powerfully um, spiritual uh, piece of art connected to uh, a Bible building that's been there for a few decades now. This is called Jacob's Dream. Um, it is a, a sculpture that's found just east of the Bible building. If you come into the campus the way that Google would uh, direct you, you'll come right in the, the main campus drive, and this is just off to your left. Uh, this picture is taken uh, early one morning when the sky was clear in West Texas, which can be a fairly common kind of thing. It is uh, not only a beautiful piece of art to see, but it is a powerful um, place of meditation and reflection. Um, they have arranged the, the centerpiece uh, of the, the angel's Uh, ascending and descending the ladder uh, among stones and have uh, at different levels and uh, quite literally as you walk around it and walk through it uh, you see different things. One, you, You may or may not be able to see it because of where the horizon is but from exactly this angle you can see how the stones make a cross Um, that that you could walk in under a a gateway to walk through, walking through the cross. The cross disappears if you move just a few feet one way or another way. There are scriptures written on on the limestone, and and in the process of of walking, the the scriptures come to you in different ways and different orders, and to a certain extent you can uh, connect them in in a unique pattern. It's a place of reflection, a place of meditation. And in the center of it, at the very base of of the main statuary, there is an outdoor baptistry, which is used um, uh, quite quite a lot. A lot of students have decided they want to give their life to God in that way. Not only is the whole a profound experience, again, being there is a profound experience. It's, It's less profound when the students are being very, very loud around it. I guess that would be the way to say it. But when you can find those times of silence early in the morning, late in the evening, it, uh, it can be quite profound. Not only is the whole, but um, there's an incredible artistic quality the closer you get to the, to the, to the statue itself. Um, his name is Jack Maxwell. He's the one who designed the, the centerpiece. Uh, there were others that participated in the arrangement of the stones and putting the entire uh, place together. But Jack Maxwell put together a, a really profoundly beautiful uh, piece of sculpture. Um, it, it doesn't rival the Pieta. If you get to go to Rome someday and see Michelangelo's the Pieta, and uh, the stone is there, and you would think that it's fabric that's so flows so beautifully. It's not that level, but it, it still has an incredible artistic quality. And maybe my favorite part is when you look to the very top, um, the last angel, the uppermost angel, is reaching for a step that's not there, reaching for God in a very sort of powerful way. Um, I, I would almost say that it'd be worth a trip to Abilene to get to sit there for an hour or so and enjoy it. It connects us to a story. 
It connects us to a story of a profound uh, interest to us. It's a story that probably most of us have heard from our childhood, a story from uh, Genesis chapter 28, and I guess it's, it's very familiar to you. It's not a short reading, but we're going to read through it. And my guess is, uh, you know parts of the story, but you may not know where the story ends. And so read along with me, starting at verse 12 in chapter 28. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord shouted beside him and said, I am the Lord your God. Excuse me. And the Lord stood beside him. He didn't shout beside him. The Lord stood beside him. And then he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. Again, he's connecting himself to these generations. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. And again, you need to understand that Jacob is on the way, running away from his brother. He's running away from this land that God has promised, back to where Abraham came from, back to the land of Haran, and, and we'll wind up with other family members there. The land on which you lie I will give to you. And this is important in this story because I'm not going to give it to Esau. I'm going to give it to you. The blessing went to whom I wished the blessing to go to. I purposed for it to go to. And I'm going to bless you. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Again, a repetition of the promise to Abraham that all people would be blessed through him. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. God knows where he's going. In fact, God is not saying, don't leave, come back. God's saying, I'm going to go with you where you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep, and he said, by the way, he's a pretty dense guy, kind of a tricky, crafty guy that doesn't get all the God stuff very often, but he gets it this time. Then Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I didn't come here because God was here. I'm here, and, and God came here to be with me, and I didn't know it. And Jacob was afraid. And said, how awesome is this place. This is in none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Before you go to the next slide, uh, you need to know, just as a little kind of, as, as, as a reader of the Bible, you might want to connect this piece. In John chapter 10, Jesus will say, I'm the good shepherd. And in the midst of that speech, he says, I am the gate and the word he uses for gate there is intended for us to hyperlink back to this story. I am the place where heaven and earth meet. I am the gate. This is the gate of heaven. Skipping down to verse 19. He called that place Bethel. And that's significant because that word means house of God. Surely God was in this place and so he names the place Bethel. And then Jacob made a vow saying... If God will be with me and will keep me in this way, in the way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I can again, that I can come again to my father's house in peace. And again, he says, "If," but I want you to understand that God has always already promised that to him. And and powerfully, as we read the story, we recognize that we we know where the story is going. 
And so there, there isn't so much a, a statement here by Jacob of, I'm not sure whether this is going to happen because the person who wrote it knew it happened. And it's founded on that promise. And to a certain extent, Jacob is resting in what God has promised. And maybe the translation should be more like, since God is going to do these things. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house, place of God, house of God, Bethel. And all that you give me, I'm going to go away. And here the, the writer kind of foreshadows that we know what's going to happen while Jacob is away. Jacob leaves penniless and comes back a very wealthy man. That all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. I don't know if you knew that was at the end of this story. That there is this incredible relational event. That Jacob and God are going to meet here in this place. And God is going to open up heaven and in a very powerful sort of way. Say, as Jesus will be the fulfillment of God on earth. Jacob, you're part of what I'm trying to do here. You're a, a gateway for the world to see what God is doing. I want to be in relationship with you, and I invite you to that relationship. Later in Jacob's life, as he's coming back, he and God will meet again. And again, it's relational. They wrestle with each other, but it is intimate. It is close. They are impacted by each other. You're going to have to let me go and... and he touches his hip. This is extreme intimacy. But that relationship started at this place. I want to be with you. And I want you to be with me. And Jacob responds to that invitation of relationship by saying, of all that you give me. Notice, not all that I have. This is a future promise. There is nothing that Jacob has at this point except maybe the clothes that are on his back, maybe a, a sack of, of wine in a, in a, in a goatskin flask, and maybe, maybe a little coin in his pocket so that he can buy food on the way. There's nothing. This is, I anticipate blessings from you because you've promised them. And I want to tell you that that blessing will be, I will turn that blessing, return a tenth of all that you give me to you. I think there's two major emphases here. That, that he's ready to give from everything there is. He doesn't say, I, I've got this little part, I've got that little part, I've got this thing on the side, and that's what I want to give to you. He says, of everything I want to give. And when you're in relationship with someone, it kind of takes on that sort of sense of, I want to give all. I want to, I want to include all in my relationship with them. Second, he recognizes that he's not the one who brings something to the table here. God is the one who is going to provide. God is the one who's going to see him safely there. God is the one who's going to, and I love that phrase, you're going to give me bread to eat and clothes to wear while I'm gone. You're going to take care of my basic needs. And how far beyond his basic needs is God going to care for him? But above all else, this scene so powerfully emphasizes the idea of relationship. That God has been in relationship with Abraham 
so that he can bless the world. And God has been in relationship with Isaac so he can bless the world. And now he comes to Jacob and and to a certain extent one of the most profound scenes in all of the Old Testament. As intimate a scene maybe in the Old Testament as we see anywhere else. He looks into heaven and heaven comes to where he is and there are people going back to heaven from there and God invites him into that relationship. That sense of you are mine and I'm yours. I love you and you love me. We are companions together. We are going to journey life together. We are going to be in a relationship that's not just a, oh, I guess I know who that is, but a relationship that shares, a relationship that's connected, a relationship that is dependent. Knowing and loving God always carries us to a place of never being able to give enough. I don't know if you've noticed, but the more you get to know God, the more you want to invest in Him. To a certain extent, this is true in human relationships. We develop a friendship, and maybe a friendship develops into a, a, an even day, deeper kind of companionship. Whether this is a, a, a marriage or just these kind of friends that we carry with us in all our life, and we have this opportunity to invest in them and give of ourselves to them, and we find it exhilarating. We kinda, the more we invest in that relationship, the more we want to add to that investment. Of course, that's nowhere more true than in a, a beautiful, loving, fulfilling Christian marriage. But it's also true in the way that we engage with our children. And it's just so powerful to stand at this stage in life and kind of see the way in which we invested and we were just willing to give anything when they were children and then they start to grow up and they, they want to separate away. They want to kind of become their own people. And this is part of what God designed them to do. And to a certain extent we, we think, oh, they don't want to hear anything else from me. There's no way to invest a little more in them. We maybe even kind of yearn to be able to have a little more engagement with them. But then they start to grow up. This beautiful thing happens of a friendship and a relationship. That they invest in you and you have the opportunity to invest in them. And in such a powerful way as we as children have parents who begin to age. We have that incredibly clear opportunity to recognize all that has been given to us. And again to be able to give back to them. And it just seems like, I don't know about any of you, but as my mom is aging, I just find that I don't have as many opportunities to give back to her the way that she gave to me when I was a child. And I want to just give a little more and a little more. This beautiful scene of this widow who comes. She doesn't give everything out of an obligation. This isn't because thus said the Lord, I need to go and do this. This is about, there's nothing more important than me, than the relationship I have with God. And so she doesn't have to be noticed by anybody. She doesn't have to make a big fanfare. She just wants to give, and she gives everything to God. And to a certain extent, we have to hear the echoes of the story from the previous week where we looked at that rich man 
who when Jesus said, give everything, his face changed and he walked away sad. And here this woman doesn't even need anybody to notice. She doesn't walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I know you're the great teacher. I know you're the great worker of miracles. Maybe you're even the Messiah. I just want you to notice that I'm putting everything in. She doesn't do that. She just wants to give. Knowing God and loving God makes us see everything else as nothing. Isn't it amazing how that works? I'm going to go back to that relationship with my parents. I can stack up all kinds of good things that I've got going on in my life. But right now, there are very few of them that are more important than time with mom and dad. And I'm really thankful for elders who've opened up for me to be able to do that a little more regularly. Um, it's hard to get there when you have Sundays invo involved in these kinds of things. But they've opened that up. And in reality, the more we come to know God, the more we're in that relationship, the more that we get a sense of how much He's done for us and how much He's given for us, everything else, everything else, Become smaller and smaller. I've got a great house. I've got some great, I enjoy planting and green stuff coming up all over the place. It's just wonderful. We got some new outdoor furniture and a new little fire pit thing for Christmas. And, and we love sitting out there. Friday night was wonderful. We're really glad we didn't wait till Saturday. Friday night was wonderful. It's a beautiful place. But you know what? It's nothing. It's nothing compared to the joy of knowing and loving God. I find it very interesting. And, and some of you I know are watching this series called The Chosen. And, and one of the themes, and by the way, don't watch The Chosen to understand your Bible. Read your Bible and let The Chosen kind of highlight some themes that you're seeing as you read the Bible. Get the primacy there. But one of the things that comes up that I really like, and there are things that I don't like, but one of the things that comes up that I really like is the theme that has run through the first two seasons is that every person he meets, he's always challenging them to step another step closer, to be a little more dependent. Do you really love God? We've got further to go. Are you going to understand where we're going? And the answer is almost always no. They don't understand where they're going. But there's a little bit more. He asks for it firmly. But he does it very graciously and generously. That everything that God is to us will consistently make everything else as if it were nothing. And maybe the most, maybe most of all, Knowing God and loving God causes us to take delight. You remember this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That God loves a cheerful giver. That knowing and loving God causes us to take delight and be cheerful when we have an opportunity to give back to the one who loves us. And the one that we love. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But as your children were growing up and you got to give them a gift for a birthday or say Christmas or something like that. 
I remember getting the bicycle, the first bicycle, and just the way the world lit up. No longer is my independent mobility dependent on how fast I can walk or run. I can now have a vehicle. I can go further. And it just, ah! I'm, I've never given a pony. I have no idea what that's like. But a bicycle doesn't have to be fed. Somebody say amen. And, and so it's this incredible thing. And then there have been times where come to an anniversary and I've been able to find and it's seldom ever the jewelry it's much more about the time and the effort and the conversation and my heart is lifted because I've given a gift that has been welcomed and received and has affirmed the love and the relationship and isn't it a joy it's not a burden it's being cheerful. It's laughing out loud because you have the opportunity to give to one you love. Last week we answered the question of the sermon series, Why Give? with the profound statement, because we trust God. We're going to give because we trust that, that we, first of all, can't outgive God and we trust that He is going to take care of us. Amen? This week our answer joins with Everything from the first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible. I give because we give because we love God. Amen? There is no one that I love more and no one that I want to invest myself and my goods and everything that I am in. And while we can see this giving is simply the idea of what I'm going to contribute to the church or maybe what I'm going to contribute to uh, people around me or what I'm going to contribute to mission works all around the world, various functions that may be where your money gets invested, whatever it is, is the opportunity to understand that the money is almost the minimum. Because what we get to give is ourself. What to get, we give to give is our passion and our time, our talents at times, but above all else, we get to see our lives intertwined with the good that God is doing. Amen? And it is always based on the idea, I love God so much, I know how much He loves me. How can I keep from singing? Because He's loved me so much. And a part of that opportunity to sing His praise is the idea that we can be people who, yes, give of our time and talents and passion and ourself, but also that we have the opportunity to give of those things that God has given to us, as Jacob said, of what sustains us, our income. So how can we be a people who let giving shape our love of God? Now, I want to be sure and say this is a little bit of a misnomer because in reality, it is our love for God that shapes our giving, right? But God has called us to give. We're going to talk more about that next week. But God has called us to give, and I want to say to you that He knows that the process of being a generous, financially generous person will help us grow in our love for God. We give because we love God, and in giving, our love for Him grows even more. Two points that I want to make very quickly. It helps our love for God grow because we are never forgetting that it is God who has given first. It is God who has given bountifully. 
And it is God who is given sacrificially out of His love for us. Giving always takes us back to the realization that God has given first. Can you just say that phrase with me real quickly? God has given first. And you notice, again, God doesn't just give a little. God doesn't give in response to us. God gives first. God gives bountifully. Somebody say amen. God gives sacrificially of himself. His one and only son. God gives. And he gives it out of love. And this process of, of saying, I'm going to step into giving. I'm going I'm to be obedient in that. I'm going to trust God in that. Allows us to be more and more aware all the time. You know, whatever I give back to God is just small compared to what he's given to me. And in that loop, our love for God grows. Can it grow without giving? Yes. But giving can be a powerful element in how it grows and the rate at which we are transformed by it. Secondly, I'm going to talk about transforming again. When we let giving shape our love for God, we're letting our love of God in that giving transform our understanding of obedience in everything if I can very quickly unpack this why do we obey in anything why do we obey in sexual purity why do we obey in telling the truth why do we obey in holding up the sanctity of life and avoiding the sin of murder how do we obey in loving our neighbor why do we obey in loving our neighbor? If all we have to say is because God told me so, then we're living in this sense of obligation that is small compared to where God wants to lead us. We're living in this place sort of almost connected to the lie of Eden. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to die. You're going to be like God. We're living in this place where we think maybe my obedience can somehow or another manipulate God into what I want Him to be. Because ultimately, what we want all of our obedience to be, obedience in everything and obedience in giving, is a reflection of I love God. Why am not, I not going to get involved in a relationship outside of my marriage? Yes, I love my wife, but also because I love God. Why am I going to love that person who doesn't dress the way or act the way or, or live in a way that in any way makes sense to me? I'm going to do it not because I have some sort of obligation. I'm going to love them because God has loved me. The more and more that we can see every aspect of our obedience to God, whatever that obedience may look like in your life, and the more that it can be transformed into, I'm doing this not out of obligation. I'm not doing this out of a sense of guilt. I am doing this because I love God. Kind of like the person who 
found the pearl. Nothing else makes any difference because I love God and that's what I want above all other things. Everything, everything, every obedience needs to be a reaction of love. And I believe that practicing this discipline of giving from our finances can be a transformative effort that moves us deeper and deeper into the idea of I am obeying God because I love God. And what needs to be said behind that? Because I love God and I know He loves me. Amen? The invitation is always there. And we have to ask this question. Is treasure in heaven? Is the treasures of heaven? Is the God stuff something that is a goal for me and for you? And if you're here today, my guess is you've already answered that question, yes. If you've decided to watch us today, that question is yes. But I want to affirm pretty powerfully here that the greatest treasure of heaven will always be not a bigger house, not a better car, not an expanded income. None of those things are the great treasure. The great treasure is relationship, loving steadfast, loving relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen? Now, now, and in eternity. If for whatever reason you're stuck in your, in your desire and in your journey to invest in and become filled up with this idea of the treasure of heaven, if you're stuck there, we would like to invite you to a conversation We'd like to invite you even more into relationship. In relationship that we together can journey together to say, what is it? Such that knowing God is everything and everything else is nothing. Whatever it is that we can help you with in that process, you're free to ask anyone at any time. You're also free to come while we sing this song. If you're online with us, the number's been up there for a minute. 979-217-3300 is a number you can text us and that can start that conversation. Because the truth is that Jesus is always calling you to more. To the next movement, the next step in your journey. And ultimately that's because he loves you that much. And when we decide to take that step, Ultimately, it is about, and I want to love you more. Wherever you are, I ask you to say, Jesus, one more step of love. Won't you stand as we sing? When we walk with the Lord in the light of what a
seated, please. At this time, the stage two children will be returning, so if one of those kids happens to be yours, you'll find them wandering in this general direction. Now we'll begin our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Just as I am without one plea, but Right. 
In Leviticus chapter 25, do I need backup? Okay. In Leviticus chapter 5, uh, a list is made of all of the prescribed feasts for God's people. The Passover is a feast to commemorate the delivery of God's people from slavery. The Feast of Weeks or Pentecost was a celebration of the first fruits, celebrating God's providence and the first fruits of the harvest. The Day of Atonement was a day of fasting, though, but it was preceded by uh, a feast of trumpets and followed by the Feast of Tabernacles. These feasts, these events, these holidays are the times when God's people took a moment to understand God's love for his people. And then the Lord's Supper also commemorates a memory, commemorates a remembrance of delivery from our sin, a remembrance of the providence that Jesus has always promised that God would provide for us, and a remembrance of the atoning sacrifice one time for all, the God of Jesus' blood for the atonement for our sin. And this is all done because of God's love for us and our love for God. Let's pray together. Our Holy Father, we thank you for this bread that symbolizes the body of Christ. That body that is given for us, that body that was laid to rest and then raised to glory. Father, we thank you. For we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's pray again. Our Holy Father, we thank you for this fruit of the vine. This cup that resembles, that remembers, that's a symbolic of the blood that was shed for us, that atoning sacrifice. Father, we know that as we have sinned, that this blood covers that, our sin, and we remember that as we partake of this cup. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. My heart, my mind, my body, my soul, I give to you, I give my body, my 
want to remind you that uh, for the first three months, January through March, is we are doing our discernment process uh, where our giving is basically going to become a projection of the ministry potential of our church. Um, as we take a moment, let's pray together. Our Holy Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you for all the things that you've given us. Father, as we give back this money to uh, this, the ministries here at this church, we ask that you will bless them. Bless this money. Bless the ministries so that in all ways you will be glorified and your light will be seen in our community and throughout the world. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now we'll take a moment for the kids' gift. What a blessing it is to be here this morning and uh, just to uh, be in class and, and study the word with our brothers and sisters and then coming in here and just worshiping together. Um, I look, listen to kind of some of the th things that Alan was telling us this morning. When I think about the love of God for each and every one of us, you know we'll never match our giving to his love. I mean, that's just, it's, it's out there, but... The thing that I that I guess it's a it's an inward feeling that uh, how good it feels just to give and every time you do something or just for an individual or whatever it is um, the amount of stuff that you get in return and um, it and that's something that we can't explain and uh, I just remember going on one of the mission trips and. And we were painting a fence for this uh, place that we were working at there in Denver. And um, I just remember the little kids that were coming out. And here this fence is that we think, okay, it's barely standing up. You know, we're going to put a coat of paint on it. And okay, but they, they were like, we're getting a new fence. This is such an unreal how cool can we do drawings on it <laughs> man here take my paint bucket and do all you want but uh it's the thing that that our kids teach us is they it's unconditional and the blessing that that the love can show for them but you know just watching them watching them come up here is just um it's just, it's a really good feeling because it's, you know, it comes from the heart and they just said, man, they're excited. Even though they may have not earned that money, some of them might. But the ones who did, 
and know that that's part of, they're already learning that, that art of giving. So thank you for all being here this morning um, as we continue the discernment time and, and uh, through, the, through the end of March. Um, we pray, I want y'all to pray about this because it's amazing what this church does and how much we do in the mission field, how much that we do for different ministries that we work in. Um, we, we let y'all tell us, the church here, what we're going to go do. And it seems like there's always plentiful. It's more, it's more when you get the basket and you went to gather up all the scraps. Guess what? We can feed a whole lot more people. We can give and do so much for so many. So uh, don't forget your caring and sharing. If you haven't already grabbed it, grab one. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, material in there to, to look at and, and go over. There's a list of, of people to pray, pray for. Um, I'm hoping we're getting through this COVID uh, peak and kind of, uh, if I look through the list uh, this morning, most of the ones that are on there, some of them are here. One of them standing here. Uh, uh, some are still recovering. Uh, but on that list, uh, it's kind of a long recovery and not the same for everybody. And so um, as people are recovering, we see people coming back. We're um, slight in number today. And I'm hoping within the next two to three weeks that we can start filling up this sanctuary again for having services and just being with each and every one of you. Um, also, um, don't forget about our wearing your lanyards. Right now, it's kind of a, we're at this peak time. One thing to help us get through this is to um, know how you feel you know, taking your temperature, look at the protocols that we have listed. If you need, if you have any questions about that, go online and you can read uh, um, the things that we have. Um, the family fellowship uh, meal following service, which will be in two Sundays, it's going to be February 6th. Is that right? Okay, make sure I'm right. And during that time will be kind of our wel welcoming for uh, Wes and Nicole and uh, and their family uh, they're going to be here tonight and um, nicole has an interview tomorrow so y'all be praying for them have a safe trip here and then uh, we'll pray for harold as he uh, <laughs> works with them tomorrow a little bit hopefully and find them a place soon that they can uh, make their home and uh, just remember them in your prayers and and the work that's going on here with our youth and and um, youth and family and and everything that he can bring I've worked with Wes for over 10 years, and um, we've been through a, a lot on meetings, camp stuff. I can tell you this, that he loves the church. He loves the youth, and just to see his commitment to what happens at camp, I mean, he plans for a whole year of what's going to be happening there, and so it's just amazing um, his commitment to... Um, sharing the word and teaching our youth, but then also now upon that, uh, uh, growing with our families here and building relationships with y'all. So, uh, let's all be standing and lead us in prayer, and then David will have our closing song. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for this Lord's Day. Thank you for the, this church and uh, the nice warm uh, room that we can come in and and uh, just lift praises to you and 
and just that we can uh, study your word, but let us take it to our heart. Let us remember that the love that you have for us through your son and what we can give is nowhere near what you have given us. I just ask that you be with this church family as we grow and uh, guide us in everything that we do and be with um, the ones who are here or teach classes and um, they're working behind the scenes in different ministries. I just want you to um, put your hand on them and really realize that they are a true blessing to all those that they come in contact with. Be with us as we go through this week and pray in Christ's name. Amen. God, take away where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my God. Holy closely to his side. With love and strength for each today. He will make a way. He will make a way. Good day. Good day.